Welcome to Full Court Press. Before we get into today's rather jam-packed episode, on New Year's Day we lost two big sports figures. The first is Don Larson. While Larson did not have a remarkable career statistically, he is remembered for perhaps the greatest single-game performance in MLB history when he threw a perfect game in Game 5 of the 1956 World Series to the Yankees against the Brooklyn Dodgers. The second is former NBA Commissioner David Stern. Stern is rightfully credited for turning the NBA into the global phenomenon that it is today. Michael, Larson helped lead your Yankees to one of their 27 championships, and Stern helped make the NBA better for us. Yeah, I mean, it's just really sad to lose two people who had such a big influence on sports today. Uh, I mean, I remember some of the great performances that Don Larson pitched in, and uh, I actually remember my, and I remember this thing of David Stern at the NBA draft, where uh, it was, I think it was right before Adam Silver became the commissioner. They uh, they were booing him, you know, like at the NFL draft when Roger Goodell comes out, they boo him a lot. They were booing him as he came out to uh, to announce the picks, and he and he started kind of like uh, like kind of bringing them on onto him. And it's like, come on, that's not loud enough. Let me hear you. They're just booing him louder and louder. And then no, of course, we always have the uh, the moment with the Knicks where he kind of he swip he. People think that he grabbed the different lottery card or something because it had a little thing on the side of the folder. Oh, the envelope. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, and then there was that moment in the 2013 draft where uh, he was getting booed. He said, we have had to tell our national audience, or international audience, excuse me, that the boo is a symbol of American respect. Yeah, so it's like egging him on. He does it a few times. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you, So you obviously saw that video on Instagram, and... I'm not going to lie, I didn't really start following the NBA until the start of high school, which was three years ago, and man, that was something. Well, as I mentioned earlier, we have a jam-packed episode, and joining me for it is infamous Boston hater, Mr. Michael McGinnis. Why am I still giving you the applause when I called you a Boston hater, huh? So today we will have our 2020 NFL preview, but first... We will recap the decade that was in sports. We'll start off in 2010 when the Saints won their first Super Bowl. The Winter Olympics took place in Vancouver. Gordon Hayward's half-court shot went in and out. The Lakers went back-to-back. LeBron took his talents to South Beach. And the San Francisco Giants brought the World Series trophy to the Bay Area. Michael, it can be any of these moments or something else. I know we were pretty young in 2010, but what stands out to you from that year? Uh, I definitely have to say, uh, at least from a, a broad view, the formation of the big three in Miami. Uh, I mean, we have LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh all coming together in South Beach. Um, I mean, it kind of started this new thing in the NBA with all the super teams now. Uh, so I think that not only is the big three uh, a super dominant like all-time team, uh, in, in Miami, but they're also, uh, they also have a huge legacy of the team, so they've kind of put together now. Okay, and yeah, I was actually going to say LeBron's decision, because I remember when I was a little kid, at like age seven, I remember seeing on TV at some restaurant in, in Rhode Island, I think it was, that LeBron James is going to join the Heat. I'm just like, all right, cool, what's the big whoop? Go LeBron James. Then my dad's telling me, no, 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 we don't like LeBron James, because... Because of the way he betrayed Cleveland. And don't get me wrong, my dad is by no means a Cleveland fan. But that being said, it's it has started a life filled of LeBron hatred for me. So, yeah, yeah so that has 
that's what I remember most about sports in 2010. And don't get me wrong, I was seven when that happened. I think you were born early in three, so we were both seven when LeBron joined the Heat. Yeah, yeah. I remember also, like, when I was younger, I started getting into basketball. My mom started telling me, uh, don't, don't like LeBron. He's not that, he's, like, really arrogant and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's just something interesting. We have that in common where our parents just told us not to like LeBron James. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, well, on to 2011, uh, when Aaron Rodgers brought the Lombardi Trophy back to Green Bay, Butler lost another national championship game. Dirk and the Mavericks upset the Heat. Uh, your Bruins brought the Stanley Cup back to Boston. Japan pulled off a huge upset in the Women's World Cup Final, and the Cardinals pulled off an improbable comeback against the Rangers. Liam, I think I know what the answer is. What's your favorite 2011 memory? Okay, so the Bruins bringing the Stanley Cup back to Boston was awesome, but my most fond memory of 2011 is going to the Final Four and Championship game in Houston and seeing Kemba Walker, who played at UConn during those two games, now tearing it up for the second place in the East, Boston Celtics. That was something else, and that started, so in so in a similar way to 2010, starting my hatred for LeBron, 2011 started my love for March Madness. I have been, I have filled out a bracket every year since then, and unfortunately none of them have been perfect yet, but I've still got my fingers crossed. So, I am feeling very thankful for 2011, and... I'm now hoping that I get to go to more and more March Madness games as I continue to get older. Yeah, uh, that's actually a really cool one. Um, my thing that sends up out to me in 2011 was the Colts uh, had a, like one of the worst possible years of NFL history. Oh, yeah. Um, they started off like 0-11, like they are absolutely terrible. Me being a Texans fan, I hate the Colts. Um, another important thing that we saw with the Colts that year is we saw uh, kind of his last year in the franchise. Oh, yeah, that was Payton's last year with them. And, and then we saw the handoff from Payton to Andrew Luck, even though Andrew Luck didn't bring them anything. But it was still, you know, one great handing off to another great, which I thought was pretty cool. Oh, yeah, no, one other thing I forgot to mention from 2011 was the uh, infamous night for Red Sox fans, that is September 28th, when... Within a span of minutes, Jonathan Papelbon had two had two out, nobody on. The Rays were tied next to innings. Red Sox could have put the pressure on them right then and there, but Papelbon allows a single. He gets he gets Nolan Rymel to two strikes. He shoots one through the gap to tie the game, and then Carl Crawford drops the ball on the next play. The Orioles walk it off. Then the Rays walk it off, capping the biggest collapse in baseball history. And you can always thank the Yankees for that special night for giving up a seven nothing lead. Oh it's yeah, absolutely. And it was a me- and it was a me- and it was a meaningless game for you guys. So I understand yeah, why so you we just put in our backups. For yeah, you put you put in Boone Logan in the eighth, and you were up by one. You chose not to put in Mariano Rivera, and rightfully so. But uh, okay, well, if you were the Yankees in that situation, are you wasting Mariano Rivera? No, absolutely not. I'm saying Joe Girardi made the right call. Yeah. So. Uh, I mean, even though you hate us for doing that to you guys, cause I, and even though I think it's very funny. Oh, uh, no, for, but... Sorry, didn't the Yankees not win the World Series that year? No, they did not. Oh, yeah, when's the last... They didn't even win a World Series last decade. That's the shining right, thing of the decade. The That's the shining thin, thing of the decade. 
Derek Cole, Garrett Small. Alright, 2012 was a big year. As the Giants beat the Patriots again, LeBron finally won a title. Miguel Cabrera won the Triple Crown. Pablo Sandoval propelled the Giants to another World Series title. Alabama began a decade of dominance. And the Summer Olympics took place in London. Mike, your thoughts on 2012? Miguel Cabrera's Triple Crown. Something insanely historic that happened that year. Uh, and I don't think that's going to happen for a long time. When somebody leads the MLB in both average home runs and RBIs, that's pretty impressive. Oh, yeah. And so Miguel Cabrera was pretty epic, and, but that baseball season for me was overshadowed by the uh, terrible managing from one Bobby Valentine. So what stands out to me were the uh, 2012 Olympics because – Going in, I'm just like, what's the big whoop? Because, as you know, we're both stuck in school during the Winter Olympics, so we don't really get as much of a chance to watch those as we do the summer. But my dad showed me, I, I, don't, I don't remember if Simone Biles was doing that, but the swimming, the uh, diving, I just like, poof, mind blown. And then another dream team playing basketball, LeBron, Chris Bosh, Carmelo, believe it or not. So, uh... That's what stands out to me is ball, watching the Olympics for the first time. That's yeah. that's what I remember. Yeah, that's actually a really cool moment. Um, on to 2013 now where our power outage didn't stop the Ravens from winning it all. Alabama dispatched Notre Dame in the championship. Louisville won the championship for a while, but it was eventually stripped from them. LeBron went back-to-back. The Red Sox arrived their city. Uh, uh, and the Boston Strong after the marathon bombings in the World Series. Uh, Liam, I know for sure what your favorite 2013 memory is, so I'll just let you tell me about it. Yeah, you're right this time. The Red Sox are my favorite 2013 memory, whether it be Shane Victorino, who did that dribbler to, I think it was Peralta. No, I don't remember. I don't remember. No, whomever the race shortstop was in 2013. Whomever the race shortstop was in 2013 to give us the lead in game four of the ALDS, then... ALCS, Anibal Sanchez comes within inches of no-hitting us. Max Scherzer, those five no-hit innings. We're down 5-1, two outs. Closer coming on to face Big Poppy. He launches it out of here, tie game. Salta Lamacchia walks it off, and then it was... Salta Lamacchia. Oh, yeah, remember him? All these names come, like Shane Victorino, that one got me. Oh, really? All these old Red Sox players, they give me nightmares. Steven Drew? The, oh my goodness. Oh, here's, here's one that's going to give you nightmares. Steven Drew played for the Yankees a little bit. Here's one that's going to give you nightmares. Kobe Ellsbury. Uh, he still does. <laughs> I, I actually liked Ellsbury too. So, until then, I got to the Yankees. Hold on, so are you, are you guys paying Ellsbury or not? I don't even know what's going on with Ellsbury right now. <laughs> he hasn't played a game in like eight years. Alright, now back to the uh, Red Sox run. Johnny Gomes. Is that Pedroia still playing or not? He's hurt. You know, he's he's had that knee issues from the dirty player that is Manny Machado. I blame him. All right. Johnny Gomes with a three-run home run. Game four, David Ross being David Ross. And then game six, the clinching game, Victorino comes up clutch again. Yeah, well, um, 2013, what stands out to me is uh, Sam Presti of the Oklahoma State Thunder uh, made the, one of the worst trades in the history of sports history. Uh, the trade actually, I'm pretty sure, took place in 2012. But James Harden completed his first season in 2013, which is uh, which he established himself as a NBA superstar. 
Uh, and, and my opinion, just being a Rockets fan, this just stands out to me a ton. I remember uh, when Hart, after Hart's first year in the NBA, uh, one of the kids in my middle school comes running into the classroom in like fourth grade. He comes running into the classroom with his little fake beard on. And it's like, James Harden is amazing. So, I mean, that one just kind of stands out to me a lot. And, and understandably so. I mean, James Harden has helped turn the Rockets into a world-class franchise. Alright, on to 2014, where the UConn men won for the second time in four years. Florida State took care of Auburn. The Seahawks destroyed the Broncos in the Super Bowl. The Winter Olympics took place in Sochi. Kawhi Leonard and the Spurs prevented a LeBron three-peat, who then returned to Cleveland. Madison Bumgarner's dominance propelled the Giants to their third title in five years. Michael, how about 2014? Uh, well, of course, like I said, we saw a formation of a new big three in Cleveland, which is Kyrie Irving, LeBron James, and Kevin Love. But the actual more important thing that happened in basketball that year was the beginning of the dynasty of the Golden State Warriors. Uh, of course, 2014, uh, that, after that offseason, was the first year that the Warriors were uh, very, very good. So, we have that. So, what... The best moment, what stayed out to me in 2014 was, this was the first, I think this was one of the first or second times I watched the full Super Bowl. I think it was the second, the first one was the Patriots, second Patriots Giants. When the Seahawks absolutely handed it to the Denver Broncos. I mean handed it. For, it was a doomed, it was... The game was a tragedy for the Broncos from the get-go, and the first snap went right over Peyton Manning's head into the back of the end zone for safety. And then it was all chaos from that point on. I mean, 43-8. to I think yeah. second largest blowout in Super Bowl history, and I certainly hope we never see that in the Super Bowl again. I really do. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, no fun when you have a blowout in the Super Bowl. But I will say... That last year's Super Bowl really kind of stuck it up. Oh, absolutely. Oh. 13 to 3. Well, we're going to discuss everything so going to the Super Bowl a little bit later. Yeah. Uh, I kind of feel like a, a pattern is developing as uh, as of 2015. Ohio State won the four, the first four ta- first four team college football playoff. Malcolm Butler stopped the Seahawks uh, at the goal line. Wisconsin prevented Kentucky from going undefeated, but they couldn't beat Duke. The Splash Brothers had the scene, and the Royals had a successful revenge tour, winning the World Series. Liam, what's your favorite 2015 moment? Oh, gee, I wonder what. This could be really. This is going to be really hard. Uh, no. Malcolm Butler at the goal line. When the, Don't get me wrong. The Seahawks absolutely, absolutely should have won that game, but... That being said, Russell Wilson threw up a circus catch to Jermaine Curse with a, I don't know if you know this, but Malcolm Butler was in coverage on that play, on Jermaine Curse, and I, my house just went silent. It was, oh my god, it was just complete silence. I'm like, holy cow, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get a beat down at school tomorrow, but then Malcolm Butler happened. Yeah. That's your main curse. Catch was ridiculous. I actually had this as my moment too. Uh, yeah, that was just insane. Malcolm Butler steps right in uh, and almost kind of gets really, he gets really good uh, positioning on Doug Baldwin, right? 
yeah. and uh, just kind of pulls it off. And and now, still today, you know, you can go on Instagram and find in the comments, uh, see Hawks jump around the ball, and, and they definitely should have. Oh yeah, should've absolutely, absolutely. You know, it's and also like. I mean, as, like, a Texans fan, I know how Bill O'Brien thinks, and, like, uh, we would definitely be passing on that play. But I think that also Pete Carroll gets a lot of respect for being, like, one of the great coaches right now in the NFL. And uh, that was just, like, a major lip in his head. Yeah. You know, ran the ball when you have a freaking Marshawn Lynch on your team. All right, so 2016 may perhaps have been the wildest year of the decade. As Alabama won part one of four in their battles with Clemson, the Broncos won Super Bowl 50 in Peyton's last game, Chris Jenkins hit Villanova's buzzer beater, LeBron and the Cavs came back from 3-1 down, but the Warriors received the aid of Kevin Durant the following season, Ryan Lochte created unnecessary headlines at the 2016 Olympics in Rio, and the Cubs reversed the curse after 108 years. Michael, this one is actually really hard for me to decide. Is the same true for you? Yeah, I actually have two for 2016. Uh, the first one, oh, actually, I'll say I only have one. I'll, I'll add the second one to the next year, because it technically could go, even though it happened in 2016, but it's all right. Um, God, the most notable thing in 2016 that happened was Kevin Durant leaving the Thunder. Uh, of course, it shot outrage throughout the NBA. Um, everybody just kind of, uh, figured the Warriors were unbeatable, which they kind of were. They were pretty much a cheat code. Uh, they had four all-stars on their team. Of course, the next year, uh, like the next year or two, they had DeMar Cousins. So, um, just kind of overall a nightmare in the NBA. Kevin Durant leaving the Thunder to go to the Warriors of all teams. All right, and so to build on to build on that, the, the Thunder blew a 3-1 lead in the Western Conference Finals to the Golden State Warriors that year. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah. All right, so... Yeah, that. Yeah, Thunderbolt. I'm having a really hard time deciding between... You know what? I'm going to go ahead and say Chris Jennings' buzzer beater because I was at that game as well. Marcus Page coming down the court hitting a crazy three-point shot to side of the game. Oh, my I da- that game. I'm, My dad... My dad immediately tells my little sisters in fourth grade at the time, pretty tired. Sorry, Larry. Looks like we're going to overtime. But then Chris Jenkins happened. And okay, one thing I will say, though, one thing I will say is that the uh, North Carolina shot, like, the North Carolina shot was a way tougher shot. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, and how they let him that wide open to shoot a game winner when, you know, Damian Lillard comes up and shoots from half court when he wants to hit a game winner. Uh, here I am, still waiting to hear from Villanova, hopefully. Alright, now, yeah, I'm waiting to hear back from Villanova, should be a couple weeks. Waiting to hear back from Villanova in college, in my for college. Oh, yes, sir. Villanova's a good school. Yeah, it really is. Well, uh, twice seventeen gave us a lot of comebacks, including the all-time great Sean Watson, future all-time great, uh, his rally of Clemson against Alabama. I will say something about that, and, and this isn't my thing, but I will say that Sean Watson is the only quarterback that Nick Saban never figured out. The only quarterback he never was able to beat. Anyway, continuing on, the Patriots came back twenty-eight to three down in Houston. 
uh, and, and beat the um, uh, Atlanta Falcons. Of course, that sparked a lot of uh, jokes about Matt Ryan the next few uh, years. Uh, and they're yeah, still active. Course. They're still active. Yeah, of course. Uh, well, because you never blow a 20 to 3 will be in the Super Bowl. Uh, the Astros provided uh, rally after rally in Game 5 of the World Series, and they would eventually win against the Dodgers. North Carolina also avenged uh, the previous year's championship loss, and KD propelled the Warriors on top again. Liam, yet another Boston team wins. Is that your signature moment in 2017? So, yes, but I want to talk about something else, because I've talked about 28-3 a few times in my life. What really stood out to me in 2017 was NBA free agency. The NBA offseason as a whole, as every as every NBA team was in, was trying to create a super team to defeat the Golden State Warriors. I mean, we saw the Rockets trade for Chris Paul, right? We also saw the Thunder trade for both Paul George and Carmelo Anthony. We saw the Timberwolves trade for Jimmy Butler to pair him with Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins. We saw... The Celtics signed Gordon Hayward to try and get up there with the Cleveland Cavaliers. I've just... That offseason was... Ridiculous. Wild. I, think, I remember that offseason, because I wanted, I wanted the Rockets to get Carmelo or Paul George. I literally, every 10 minutes, I would pick up my phone, swipe up on the score app, and just like pray that Paul George was going to be a Rocket. And I probably went through like like... Eight pages of uh, like articles on uh, eight pages of articles on uh, like like Google and stuff just to see like just to like hope that the Rockets were getting closer and closer. Of course, they never went either of them. No, I remember uh, there was one day I was absolutely hope praying that the Celtics would win over Gordon Hayward. So it was the Fourth of July, twenty seventeen. We were in Gulf Shores. I went to take a bathroom break, or I went back to our room to use the loo, and then I pick up my phone just to check if Gordon Hayward signed, and lo and behold, he did. Yeah. That was actually, that one even had, like, uh, like political controversy. Oh, yeah, because uh, it was reported earlier than he wanted it to be. Yeah. Um, I mean, also, like, in uh, 2017... Uh, we well, actually, that offseason was just crazy. But I will say that one of the most important things in 2017, the Russell Westbrook story. Oh, the that, triple doubles! Awesome. That well, was, I'm not even gonna lie. I'm not even gonna lie. I I was not a big Russell Westbrook fan there. I actually very much did not like him. But I will say that that was kind of cool. How, oh. uh, how kind of uh, independent he was. So it was not. It was very refreshing at NBA where you just had stars on a bunch of different teams to watch Russell Westbrook out there dominating basically by himself. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, in 2018, Russell. some guy named Tua took over at halftime, and Alabama won again. Nick Foles used the Philly special to propel Philly to its first Super Bowl victory. The Winter Olympics took place in Pyeongchang. Villanova won it all again. KD and the Warriors went back to back. The 108-win Red Sox dominated in the regular and postseason to bring their fourth title of the century to Boston. Mike, I know it's not, but what is your favorite moment of 2018? Uh, well, that certainly isn't, but uh, this is actually like my favorite one. And it's sort of the emergence of a new core four in New York. We saw the uh, 
We finally get to see uh, the Yankees' new young lineup, kind of like the the final like handoff emergence of Glaber Torres, and then of course Aaron Judge, and we also have uh, uh, Gary Sanchez and Luis Severino. Um, oh, what Gary Sanchez, the guy that bat sub two hundred in twenty eighteen, that guy. Well, you know, he was also really good for like one year, but we'll give him that for now. As you know, he had a, he was pretty good in the second season too, but he's still he's still young. He'll keep it rolling. Uh, again, of course, like the original four four, uh, Jeter, Posada, Pettit, uh, Rivera. This is just kind of like the new thing. I think that these four players are going to kind of guide the Yankees through the next fifteen years, uh, and I really can't wait to see it, especially what happens to Red Sox fans there. Uh, oh well. The Red Sox, if they don't trade Mookie Betts, will still be competing with you guys, just so you know. And obviously, you know what my favorite—you know what my favorite memory of 2018 is—the yeah. dominating Red Sox. I don't think we need to go into it. Uh, but I want to. 16 to one in Game Three, and then Gary Sanchez came so so close to hitting it out in Game Four, but they ended up losing. So uh, we went into your home ballpark. And outscored you guys twenty to four over two wins. Well, at least the Red Sox made the playoffs this year. Hey, hey, y'all didn't win the World Series. Just kidding. Y'all didn't win the World uh, Series. Hey, hey, hey! I am a firm believer that you are only allowed to brag about winning championships. I am a firm believer. If you didn't win a championship, it's a lost season. I am a firm believer of that. I can agree with that if your expectations were to win the championship. Uh, last one in twenty nineteen. Clemson beat Alabama in the title game again because Clemson is just way better than Alabama. A no call propelled the Rams to the Super Bowl, uh, yet they couldn't beat the Patriots. Okay. Uh, Virginia provided a great comeback story. The St. Louis Blues went from last in the league to the uh, Stanley Cup champions. Kawhi and the Raptors prevented a Golden State repeat, and the Washington Nationals used four road wins to claim the World Series title. Liam. What stands out to you from 2019? So, actually, three things stand out to me from 2019. Incompetence of referees, the Women's World Cup, and... Oh, I'm blanking on the third one. Incompetence of the referees, the Women's World Cup... I had a third one, I'm just... Yeah, you know, I'm just going to go with those two. Alright, so... Oh, yes, I got it. And... Home teams in the final series. So, in comments of the referees, the Rams-Saints no-call has created perhaps even more controversy in the NFL than we have ever seen before. And I mean ever. Yeah, And it continued into the Stanley Cup when the Sharks got a five-minute major, five-minute power play when it should have been a two-minute power play. They score four goals on that power play, and they end up winning game seven. And then... Game 5 of the Stanley Cup Finals, no call on a penalty. Blue score second after, go on to win that game by one goal. Yeah. And then, so the Women's World Cup, the U.S. outscored their opponents 26-3. to I mean, wow, over seven games, that is a... They scored 3.7 3. goals per game and gave up 0. 0.4. Oh, well, I mean, because um, you're not a big soccer fan, though, so. 
Yeah, I'm not a big soccer fan, so I don't actually care about the soccer being played. I just care about what the, what the impact is of it. Okay, um, and for my third thing, in the Stanley Cup Finals, in the NBA, the NBA Finals, and the World Series, the home team was a combined 3-17. and 17. I think that stands out. Alright, so what do you got for 2019? 2019, from first to worst, the Warriors go down the drain. The Warriors stink now. Oh, they're terrible. And, and I'm eternally grateful that the Warriors suck now. Don't you just love it when the best player of the Warriors just leaves the Warriors and then goes to the Nets and then the second best player of the Warriors like breaks his arm or something and he can't even play for like the rest of the year. Then the other Warrior, the third best Warrior, just, you know, he got hurt and he can't play this year either. And then the fourth best Warrior is a donkey. And you don't really even, like, care about him, really, because he can't do anything by himself. And then the fifth best warrior leaves to go to the Lakers, and even though he, just, he got hurt, too, but still. And the Warriors just completely collapse, and then nobody cares about the Warriors anymore because they suck, and I'm so happy about it. Okay, uh, the injuries don't necessarily make me happy, but I am happy to the showing because... They make me happy. I think it's... I think it's karma. I do. I really do, because Zaza Pachulia making that dirty play to injure Kawhi Leonard in 2017, and then Chris Paul with that hamstring injury in 2018. It is, it is karma coming back to bite them. They're little cheaters. Yeah. Alright, now we will go through our all-decade teams in each respective league. We will each rattle off a few positions at a time. Michael, let's start in the NFL. Oh boy, the tough one. Uh, the NFL... I guess I'll I'll probably I'll do my offense first, then and then you can do your offense, then we'll we'll then we'll do defense again respectively. That sounds okay. good. Sounds good to me. All right. Well, for my offense, I'll kind of go. I'm gonna go from uh, from like the O line to like the more like important positions just to kind of draw up suspense. Um, my center is Travis Frederick of the uh, of the Dallas Cowboys. My two guards, Zach Martin from the Cowboys, Marshall Yanda, who played for the uh, played for the Ravens. Then we have Joe Thomas and Joe Staley, the two Joes, Niners and uh, Niners and Browns. And then uh, my first flex option, which is uh, just your choice between wide receiver and tight end, I have Julio Jones. And then my tight end is Rob Gronkowski. My three wide my three wide receivers are Antonio Brown, Calvin Johnson, and DeAndre Hopkins, and then my two running backs are uh, Le'Veon Bell and Lashawn McCoy. My quarterback is Tom Brady. Now you may be saying, Michael, where is Adrian Peterson? I do not put Adrian Peterson because, to be honest, he really only had two real he only had two good seasons and. Uh, this decade, one of them he didn't have 2,000 yards and averaged 131 yards per game. But again, if I'm going to give him that, then uh, I'll probably I'll, then I would have to like put my Christian McCaffrey because if we're going to be judging people based on one great season, you know, we'll do that. And then uh, I, my quarterback is of course the goat, Tom Brady. All right, so 
Oh. You could put in Mahomes or Manning because they, I believe that they both have the best individual seasons, but Brady just all 10 years has been good. Always there for his team. All right, so you mentioned all 10 years. That's what I based this off of for the most part. So my center was also Travis Frederick. And then my guards were, I put Nate Solder at the left guard. I think he normally plays tackle, but he's been really good for the Patriots and Giants, so I wanted to put him in there. And then David Bakhtiari, who plays for the Green Bay Packers. And then my, then my tackles are Tyron Smith, who plays for the Cowboys, and yeah. Teron Armstead of the Saints. My, I didn't want the whole Cowboys O line on here. I only, I only have two. I only have two. So do you. Yeah. All right, so my yeah, flex yeah. is sure. Odell Beckham Jr., my tight end is... What? You love Odell. I don't really, actually. Because he's been good for the majority of the decade. My tight end is Rob Gronkowski. My three wide receivers are Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, and, one of, the, in my opinion, one of the most underrated receivers of all time, Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah, I thought about putting Fitzgerald in there, but then I just kind of thought, like... I thought, like, he was kind of more last decade... I don't know why I thought that, but I kind of was looking at his stats and everything, and I was like, he was still pretty good this decade, but he was way better the decade before. Alright, so my running backs are two players that I have seen throughout the whole decade. I mean, we saw DeMarco Murray a few years, we've seen Alvin Kamara. These two guys have been around the whole decade. Adrian Peterson and Frank Gore. And then my quarterback is, of course, the GOAT, Tom Brady. Yeah, of course. Uh... Defense, man, this defense is dirty. If I, I mean, I don't think that there's any weak spots here that you would even want to, like, you know, I don't even think, like, you, like, if you're, like, a quarterback, you probably don't want to shake hands with any of these guys. <laughs> uh, of my defensive ends, of course, J.J. Watt, uh, and then also Cameron Jordan uh, from the Saints. My two defensive tackles, Aaron Donald and Fletcher Cox. Um, great name. Uh, my I, I have four linebackers. Uh, I have Von Miller, uh, Luke Keekley, Justin Houston, and Khalil Mack. Uh, and then my uh, six uh, defensive backs, four corners, two safeties. Uh, Stephon Gilmore, Richard Sherman, Patrick Peterson, Akeem Talib. And my two safeties are Earl Thomas and Eric Berry. So you are going to be surprised how much we have in common, because for my defensive line, I had Jordan, Donald, Cox, and JJ, all four, and then linebackers, we had one difference. You had Justin Houston, I had Bobby Wagner. I also yeah, had... I, okay, I saw, I, like, I was kind of like, I was kind of looking around to see what people were putting for linebacker. I saw some Bobby Wagner, but I don't know, I just think Justin Houston is a little bit more of a, more... I guess the correct term would be like you played more of the decade, I think. All right, so I also had Luke Keekley, Von Miller, and Cleo Mack. For my defensive backs, I went three cornerbacks, three safeties. So for my cornerbacks, I had Richard Sherman and Patrick Peterson, and also Marcus Peters of the okay. Ravens now. And then at safety, I had Earl Thomas, and I had two more. Eric Weddle and, okay. Cam, and Cam Chancellor. Remember him? Yeah, I remember Cam Chancellor. Yeah, he was part of the. Uh, you had a few guys from that um, from that really good Seahawks. Oh yeah, the, the Legion of Boom. Yep. Yep. Uh, and then lastly, three players from the special teams: kicker, punter, and a return man. It could be kicker, turner, or punter, turner. 
uh, I decided to put Justin Tucker as my kicker and Shane Leckler as my uh, punter. You could put Johnny Hecker, but I like Leckler better because he was a Texan. Uh, and then my kick returner, punt returner is Jacoby Jones, just because he was actually fairly good at both. And he had, like, a very iconic... Uh, Run back. Yeah. All right, so I was tempted to put Devin Hester for return man, but... Yeah, I thought about that, too. I ended up going with Cordell Patterson, because he's done it for, like, the whole decade pretty fairly well. And then my kicker yeah. is Justin Tucker, and then my punter is Johnny Hecker. Well, uh, we'll go on to the MLB. Uh, Liam, hopefully you don't have too many Red Sox on there, but uh, let's go ahead and hear what you want to say. All right, I've tried pitching staff and then hitters. Uh, yeah, let's do pitching staff and hitters. All right, so I have a five-man rotation and a seven-man bullpen. My starting pitchers are Clayton Kershaw, Justin Verlander, Chris Sale, Max Scherzer, and Zach Greinke. And then my bull- same here. That was really, really? Tough starting pitchers. What? Yeah, I I was very tempted. I changed mine actually. I had um. Madison Bumgarner in here and, and there, and I started looking at like fan graphs and advanced stats, and I saw that uh, like Bumgarner was like not actually that good. He just had like a few good years, but I have the exact same. Starting pitchers were hard. No, I thought relievers were harder. So uh, I starting pitchers were like stacked, all of them. Oh, I see what you mean. So and then for relievers, I this was hard for me. I ended up with Aroldis Chapman, Craig Kimbrell. Kenley Jansen, Fernando Rodney, Wade Davis, Zach Britton, and David Robertson. That was that was tough. You missed out on on uh, I think two very key players there. Don't say Mariano Rivera. I respect Fernando Rodney actually. I respect having him in there. I kind of forgot about him, but he was very good. Um, of course, like I said, my starters are the exact same. Uh, I just like I wanted to put like Jacob DeGrom. I really want to put DeGrom. Uh, I really want to put Jose Fernandez, but he unfortunately just didn't play long enough. Rest in peace. But uh, here, I, I put I brought six star, uh, six relievers uh, with me. I got um, Craig Kimbrell, Roldis Chapman, Wade Davis, and then I have three that I didn't put, which are Kenley Jansen. I Andrew put Kenley Miller. Jansen. Oh, you didn't put Jansen? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, anyway, I have Kenley Jansen, Wade Davis, Andrew Miller, and then the one that everybody seems to forget actually played this decade and was very good, Mariano Rivera. Uh, I also had Wade Davis. Yeah, yeah, I don't know why I said Wade Davis like two times. Alright, so that means you have four, that means you'll have five bench players in your hitters, so... Yeah. My hitters are, my starting catcher is Buster Posey, first base Miguel Cabrera, second Altuve, third base Josh Donaldson. Really? Shortstop was a tough one to pick, but I ended up going with Lindor because he was really, really good over the last few years of the decade. I feel like Shortstop no... Shortstop was difficult. There wasn't a lot to go for. Yeah, no, there wasn't. And my outfielders are Mike Trout, Giancarlo Stanton, and Jose Bautista. My DH is Big Poppy, David Ortiz. And then my bench is comprised of a backup catcher, Yadier Molina, a backup outfielder, Andrew McCutcheon, a bench player who can play anywhere on the infield. This may be a controversial one. Ben Zobris, who didn't really have an outstanding year, but can play anywhere in the field, and that's invaluable. And then I have Joey Votto on the bench. You're giving me the thumbs down. 
No, I just don't like Ben Sober, so I don't think he was good enough. I was having, like, a difficult time, like, leaving certain players off. Like, I really wanted to put, like, Christian Yelich on here, but I just, like, there wasn't room for him. So, that sucks. I really like Yelich. Um, my catcher also, Posey, my first base is Cabrera, second base, Altuve. My third base, though, is actually different. Uh, who's your third baseman again? Josh Donaldson. Yeah, I have Nolan Arenado. Really? Uh, I guess Donaldson did win MVP, but Arenado has, uh, is way better defensively, and I think has had more longevity as a good hitter than better than Donaldson. Uh, my shortstop is Troy Tolwitzki. I think that you could put it in Lindor. I just I don't think there's a lot to go off on, go on, on shortstop. Yeah, I no, like there Tolwitzki. isn't. Plus, Tolwitzki at his best was like a dirty, dirty man. Like, he was good. And then uh, my starting outfield, Trout, Harper, and McCutcheon. That is also the most expensive outfield you can possibly assemble. Huh. Uh, my DH is David Ortiz. Uh, you could put Encarnacion, but I'd rather you didn't, just because uh, David Ortiz is better than Encarnacion. Uh, and then uh, my five bench spots, uh, as you said, I only have 11 pitchers, so I brought five bench players. Uh, my first one is backup catcher, Yadier Molina, of course. Uh, backup second baseman, Robinson Cano. Backup third baseman, not Josh Donaldson, Manny Machado. Oh! Backup uh, outfielder, Sean uh, Carlos Stan, and then another backup outfielder who can also play DH, Joey Bats, Jose Bautista. Okay, so we have a lot of com- commonness on this. All right, so last one, the NBA. Michael, this one was easiest for me to fill out. Who do you have on yours? Um, well, my starting lineup, I think, is kind of the all-purpose starting lineup. Everybody kind of has the same one. Uh, Steph Curry, James Harden, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis. Uh, I'm pretty sure that that might be exactly what you have. No. Also. Really? Alright, well, I think my bench is very interesting. I have uh, Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, Timmy D, Tim Duncan, Dwayne Wade, Dirk Nowitzki, uh, Kawhi Leonard, Demarcus Cousins, and Paul George. Alright, so, this is controversial, right? I don't have Anthony Davis on here. My starters are Steph Curry. I went with the two-guard, three-forward, small-ball lineup. I have Steph Curry, James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant, and LeBron as my starters. Then for my bench... I thought about doing that, but I, I just couldn't do it. I, I didn't want to get that saw. That felt like cheating to me. All right, so on, and then on my bench, I have Russell Westbrook, Kevin Love, Clay Thompson, Demarcus Cousins, Blake, Gr- Blake Griffin, Chris Paul, Dwayne Wade, and Dirk Nowitzki. Yeah, uh, there's a few people I was tempted to put. Clay was someone I was tempted to put. I was definitely tempted to put Giannis. Um, I just, there's not enough longevity there. He was only good for like three seasons. And I think that uh, him and him and Clay are kind of equals at this part of the decade, so I could put one or the other, in my opinion. Alright, we are through our decade in review. We are now on to our NFL playoff preview. We will start by breaking down as to whether or not each respective playoff team can win the Super Bowl, then go into game-by-game predictions. We will go from 1-6 to six in each conference, 
starting with Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens in the AFC. Michael, I expect this to be bang-bang from the start, so can they win it all? Can Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens win it all? Yes, they definitely can win it all. Do I think that they'll win it all? Uh, I, I mean, yeah, I think they could, for sure. I mean, I kind of have them winning it all, but yeah, I do think they can. Uh, again, this is like a really well-coached team. Uh, uh, quarterback is hot, a good running back, a good defense, that's for sure. Good tight ends. Like I said, I think Lamar Jackson's getting a little bit too much praise for how well he can throw it. Again, most of the passes he's throwing are to guys who are just insanely fast and can get open or are really big tight ends. Uh, so I think he's getting a little bit too much praise for his arm. But I think that he's kind of one of those running back, I mean, one of those quarterbacks who's really just a running back and just plows and everything. Because Lamar, let's be honest, Lamar Jackson is like one of the only quarterbacks in the NFL that won't slide in front of a linebacker. Oh, and yeah. If absolutely. linebacker's coming right at him, he's just going to take him. And I, that actually kind of scares me. I think that there actually is a possibility that um, – you know, a team like the Seahawks will just take, like, Jadavion Clowney and say, hey, go get them real quickly. Um, but we'll see what happens. Um, I mean, obviously, I hope that doesn't happen. But I think that the, I think that the Ravens, if they stay healthy, they have a really good defense, very interesting, run-heavy, fun offense, and they're kind of enjoyable to watch, even though they're kind of slow-paced. But, yeah, I, I like them. All right, so... You basically took everything I would have said out of my mouth. And don't get me wrong, Lamar Jackson propelled my team to a couple big fantasy wins this year. So, however... Oh, I won that league, by the way. <laughs> yeah, you beat me. Because I didn't, I didn't check my lineup the first week. And I, I almost came back from a 70-point down lead. How, all right, so how, however... Oh, that was a different league I was talking about with Lamar Jackson, by the way. We saw what Lamar Jackson did in the playoffs last year. Nada. But, he's more experienced now. That being said, they can win. Alright, cool. Uh, next up are Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, who snuck into the two seed after New England's loss to Miami in Week 17. Liam, can the Chiefs get it done this year? Chiefs are the only team that beat both New England and Baltimore this year. Thus, yes, they can. They beat the Kansas City Wait, Chiefs. Chiefs beat Baltimore? Yeah, in Kansas City, though. However, I... And last year, New England beat Kansas City at home, wound up with a two-seed, had to go play in Kansas City in the AFC Championship, and won that game. No reason history can't repeat itself. Kansas City beat Baltimore in Kansas City. They can absolutely go into Baltimore and beat them, have a... Big offensive shootout. What a game that would be. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I, I would love to see the Chiefs play the uh, Ravens for the AFC Championship. That would be a really fun game. Uh, I mean, Kansas City is a very fun, high-powered offense. So, wouldn't it be so cool to see like, a Kansas City, like, say, in Super Bowl, where it's just two high-powered offenses going back and forth, and the score is like 45 to like 42? That would be amazing. <laughs> That would be a really fun Super Bowl. Um, well, yeah, I guess it's just Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. So, we'll see. High-powered offense, weak defense, but I think that they can go anywhere and be 
basically beat anybody. Huh. Just a matter of whether or not they will or not. Boy, what a year it has been for the New England Patriots. Bad offense, just an inconsistent team as a whole. However, the Patriots are the Patriots, so could they potentially repeat? Like, of course they could potentially repeat, but here's some things that I know about the Patriots. And maybe you don't want to hear these things, but they are true. I think that they normally get home field advantage. They, I think they normally get a first week bye. I think that uh, Tom Brady is like 66 years old. Uh, and I think that I think that their offense is not very good compared to the other teams. I know that other teams have uh, other good teams in the AFC have just gone in and destroyed them. Uh, my Texans included, even though they almost came back. But my Texans included. Uh, so I, I'm just. It's kind of hard for me to see when they've lost to all three, uh, all three of the other division champs and the AFC. It's kind of hard for me to see them getting out of that. And you ever could. They, you ever know they could. Yeah, because uh, they, are, they are. They are the Patriots. Patriots but uh, I, I think it's extremely unlikely. I think that they're probably the fifth best team in the AFC right now. If this were any other team, they'd have a chance, but. They wouldn't have a chance, but the, they're the Patriots, so they do have a chance. We know Tom Brady elevates his game in the playoffs, so they do have a chance. They do. Well, do I think it'll happen? More on that later. But they do have a chance. Alright, well, my Houston Texans are on the four seed in the AFC, and my say without a deep playoff run, Bill O'Brien should go. Liam, can the Texans go deep? Uh, no. No. No, 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 no. No. Please remind me why, or can please regale me as to how one week after beating the Patriots, the Texans lose or go down thirty-eight to three at home to a rookie quarterback named Drew Locke in the Denver Broncos. Please explain. Well, oh, boo-hoo! It's against the Broncos. You shouldn't have rough days against the Broncos. That game could have. Drew Locke is pretty good. He actually. Trust me, I was out that game. Hey, that that game cost the Texans a shot at a first round bye. Cause well, honestly, after the last time we came up a bye and went to play the Ravens, I don't think that it really matters anymore. The Texans, the Texans have never had a bye, period. And now that they don't have one, oh dear, they're in trouble. Do I think they'll win oh, today? Sure. Do I think they'll win today? Probably. More on that later. But if you think they're going to go into Baltimore and win, you're crazy. I mean, look, I have them going into Baltimore and losing, but uh, one thing I will say is there are a few quarterbacks in the league where they can go anywhere and win, and you wouldn't surprise you. Uh, uh, Deshaun Watson included. He's kind of in that class now uh, of the young quarterbacks that are just, like, impressive everywhere they go. Uh, of course, like, that class includes, like, Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and I guess you consider Russell Wilson the young quarterback that does that. But, I mean, I honestly would be surprised if they went very deep. I can see, I mean, I see them playing this week. I don't really see them doing much after that. You never know, though. I mean, a few entries go one way. I think the Texans are a pretty good team. I think that they really got to, they really got to figure something out on how to beat Lamar Jackson. But Yeah. Well, perhaps the biggest surprise this year was the Buffalo Bills. 
Josh Allen elevated his game, and their defense is one of the best in the NFL. Michael, can the Bills keep it going through the playoffs? I mean, yeah, you never know, and I think today's Texans-Bills game is going to be very sloppy. I do. I think, but I think it, it could also, I think that this game could be a very good indicator to see how good each of these teams actually are. Yeah, absolutely, and I believe that if the Bills win today, they could potentially surprise Baltimore. They came close to doing it in Buffalo, oh, but... The Texans can do the same thing, though, too. No. Buffalo's got a better chance of winning in Baltimore than Texans do. That's just the truth. And uh, I guess some factors of weather-wise, but if the Bills can win, if the Bills can win today, better. we may be looking at something else. We'll see. Uh, on to the last team in the AFC, the Tennessee Titans, who snuck in as a six seed. However, they have to play uh, where last decade the only quarterbacks to win in the playoffs that Gillette were Mark Sanchez. If you can't believe that, and Joe Flacco. Uh, Liam, could the Titans pull off an all-time shocker? I mean, yeah. I was at the game Sunday against the Dolphins, and if the Patriots cannot beat the Dolphins at home, then they what's sure to say? What's the to say they can't? They can beat the Titans. Nothing. 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 So the Titans could absolutely pull off an all-time shocker, even if it is in the playoffs at Gillette Stadium. Do I think they could beat Baltimore the next week? No, but they could absolutely win today. Um, here's something that I would like to I would like to say about this game is that I don't think this would be an all-time shocker if the Titans were to pull this off. Here's why: I don't like the idea that Tom Brady, all of a sudden, since he gets all of a sudden he's in the playoff, he's like ten years younger, back into his prime, Super Brady. But I will say, uh, I will say another thing. The Patriots were thrown around by uh, by the Ravens and the Texans, and then when they had to protect home, when the Chiefs went in there, the Chiefs, I mean, the Chiefs just beat them up too. No, because the rush blew that game, though. I mean, still, Miami beat them up at home. Actually, Miami has a, I think, I think Miami deserves a little respect. They're a team that tries hard, but, I mean... I watched the Titan. I watched the Titans play like two of the last three weeks, and they're a good team. If you don't come to play, they will beat you. So I think. I mean, I would be very surprised if, if the Titans won. Actually, no, I take that back. I wouldn't be surprised if the Titans won, but I, I just see it as unlikely. On to the NFC, where we start with Jimmy Garoppolo and the San Francisco 49ers. Mike, their victory in Seattle was huge. Do you think they can keep it going all the way to a Super Bowl victory? I don't. I don't. Uh, the reason uh, there's two main reasons why. First off, I think they don't have any playoff experience. I know they don't. Uh, I think that it's going to be. 
a little bit more difficult when they start only playing good teams. I, they actually handled the second part of the season really well. If you look at their schedule, their second half was a really difficult second half. Uh, another thing is, uh, I don't see Garoppolo as sort of that special quarterback kind of take you to the Super Bowl kind of guy. I do think that they can beat you in a lot of ways. I think that they have a really good defense and uh, a good running game, and they have some special guys to keep up Samuel. Uh, included George Kittle as well, um, but I think that uh, I think that they're probably going to get beaten once they play a good team. But they'll have a fun time uh, resting this week, so we'll see how much it helps them. Especially since they haven't rested since like week four, so it could help them a lot. Yeah, and I disagree. I think they can make a playoff run because you mentioned it. You stated it perfectly. They handled themselves incredibly well during the last. During the second half of their schedule, beating, well, winning in Seattle, yeah. winning in New Orleans, coming within a last-second field goal from a future Hall of Famer to beating Baltimore in Baltimore, they but can they absolutely make lost, a deep run. There's some things though too, are they? Oh yeah, the I loss to Atlanta. The loss to Atlanta was terrible, but like they lost to the Seahawks at home, which I guess I mean that's not a critical card for a Texans fan, but they also. Uh, like a, they're also like letting the Cardinals kind of get into it a few times, so I don't know. We'll see. I mean, that's like putting them under like a like a heavy scope, but I'm interested to see what happens. Yeah, so am I. Uh, after a couple of rough years, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers are back with Matt Lafleur at the helm, uh, and they're in the playoffs as a two seed. Liam, could Rodgers get his second Lombardi Trophy? Not if he has to go to San Francisco, which I think he will have to if he's able to win next weekend. Do you believe... Uh, last time Aaron Rodgers played the Packers, or played the Niners in San Francisco, they got crushed. And I mean crushed. Yeah. I never I never thought the Packers were that great a team, honestly. Like, I thought that they were interesting a little bit, but we kind of know Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones. We've kind of seen the story before. Yeah, and so, they can't win in San Francisco. They can't. So They're just a team that doesn't excite me. I don't want I don't care to see the Packers play. I've seen them play. They're not even that good anymore, honestly. I, I mean, I honestly think that they're maybe, like, the eighth or ninth best team in the playoffs, and they just had a little bit of an easier schedule. They haven't had a difficult schedule, and they... Huh. They haven't had a difficult schedule. So, I don't know. I I mean, depending on who you have winning Saints or Vikings, I could see each of them beating Green Bay. No, Minnesota, Minnesota would go to San Francisco. Oh, yeah, Minnesota, I guess, would go to San Francisco, right? All right, Sam, yeah. the New Orleans Saints come back to the playoffs a year after the infamous no-call. Michael, Drew Brees is 40 years old. Could he pull off one last hurrah? Yeah, and here's why. I think so. He has a very good pass rush, as we already stated on our all-time teams, Cameron Jordan. His defense is very good, Marshawn Lattimore included. Uh, I like his offense, too. Like, I like the pieces that they put around him. Uh, I mean, you can always say, like, uh, like Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, but I think we're forgetting about some other guys. Maybe uh, Jared Cook, Latavius Murray, uh, Traquan Smith, a few different guys that are in there. Um, so, I, and Ted, uh, Ted Jen also, so, we'll see, uh, what happens with them. I think that, uh, they'll do pretty well. I don't think that Drew Brees is as, Drew 
Brees' age is as much a factor with the Saints as maybe Tom Brady says with the Patriots, just because... Uh, because Brees has Kamara and Thomas. That'll take the load off a little bit. And one thing I mentioned earlier, the no-call. The Saints most definitely are going to have a fire under them coming into this postseason. And yeah, especially this week when they play at the Dome. And I know it'll be tough to go win on the road wherever they have to get... When the, if they win and go to Green Bay. But they can absolutely win it all. They absolutely can. In fact, I said they would win it on our NFL preview episode. We'll see if I say them again. Alright. Uh, well, the winner of the worst division in football, I have a very terrible division, actually. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, who have dealt injuries throughout the year. William Carson Wentz never started a playoff game. Any chance he brings out some Nick Foles magic a few years ago? No. 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 To get into the playoffs, the Eagles had to beat the Giants twice, the Redskins, and the Cowboys. And the last time I checked... I can barely do it. Yeah, and the last time I checked, they were all close games except the last one. And they were all playing in that horrible NFC East. So... Yeah. What do you expect to happen when Philadelphia has to go to Fort San Francisco or Green Bay? No. No. I, mean, I, I, I do agree with you there. Uh, I think that Carson Wentz is a special quarterback. I, I definitely see him as that. I just don't like his team enough. I think that... I think that in order for them to win, he would have to carry them so much that he'd break his back. Uh, I mean, I honestly don't even see them getting out of the first round, but uh, they, I mean, they could, but it would, it would be a very close game. Yeah. If they blew out the team, if they blew out the Seahawks, I mean, I would be very surprised. Um, and I don't, I mean, I don't really kind of believe in the Nick Foles kind of magic will thing. I think that he just kind of got lucky and had a, hot, a few hot games. Nobody had really seen him with this offense before, but uh, people have seen once. Once is really good, but I don't see them pulling this one out very far. All right, well, after two straight home losses costing the division title, Russell Wilson and the Seahawks into the playoffs angry and hungry. Michael, could they get back to the Super Bowl and win it? Man, it would be really fun to watch the Seahawks go from a five seed and just start smacking people up on the road. Again, they're probably not going to get a single home game unless they somehow play the Vikings in the championship in the championship round. I would love to see the Seahawks go. I'm a big fan of Russell Wilson. Will they? Chances are the odds are kind of stacked against them, but they certainly could. And I think that they're a dangerous team. Nobody's really looking for. They have a good pass rush. Still an average secondary. But, again, they got some key players hurt, Chris Carson included. Um, their receiving core is all right. Lockett and DK Metcalf don't really cut it, but we'll see uh, with them. They absolutely can, because if they if they get past Philly this weekend, which we on that later, chances are they'll end up playing in San Francisco, where they won earlier this year. Yeah. So... But they also just lost to San Francisco at home. Yeah, but the the Seahawks have been a better road team this year, and that's evident that's based fair. on their two home losses. So, if you ask me, they absolutely can. Will yeah, they? Can. Will they? Probably not, but they can. Yeah. Well, uh, the last team 
is the Minnesota Vikings. Kirk Cousins and his receivers overcame some early rifts and made it to the playoffs. Can they make a deeper run, though? I think they can. You need to watch out for this Minnesota Vikings team because... I, I agree with you. This team, I don't, I mean, I don't have them beating the Saints just because that's, that would be kind of, I mean, that's, you just can't really call that, but I definitely agree with you. Go on. Hey, so, their offense is full of weapons. I mean, Dalvin Cook at the running back, the two receivers, Diggs and Thielen, and then the tight end, Rudolph. Wouldn't that be something if the Vikings can use this high-powered, explosive, underrated offense to get to the Super Bowl and beat New Orleans in the process? That would be something else, man. I actually really agree with you. I think that, and, and here's my thing with the Vikings. I think if they can get up by two touchdowns, I think that they're the scariest team in the entire NFL, except for the Ravens. Because I think all they have to do when they get up by two touchdowns is here, Dalvin Cook, here, Dalvin Cook, just <laughs> keep feeding them. He'll keep, he'll keep running the clock, keep it going. Uh, I mean, hey, if they, if they get uh, get up early in that game, it could be game over. I think they could wrap it up pretty easily. Um, I think that they. I think the problem with the Vikings is that I, Kirk Cousins is not that good. He can be pretty good, but I don't think so. All these games are going to be prime time. We all know Kirk Cousins shrinks in prime time, but I think that they have a lot of weapons. Will it be enough to beat the Saints? We'll have to see. All right, so on to our game by game predictions. We will start with the AFC Wild Card. We're at three thirty today on ESPN. The Buffalo Bills visit the Houston Texans. Michael, you are going to be there. Who do you expect to win? I expect the Texans to pull this one out. Again, it could be, uh, I, this is one of those games where it could be a blowout on either side or it could be a very strong defensive game. Um, I'm going to pick the Texans. I like their offense better. Their receiving core is way better. Uh, their quarterback play is, I mean, still a few steps above Josh Allen for sure. Um, because I honestly think Josh Allen deserves a little respect here. His team is 11-5. Or are they 11-5 or 10-6? 10-6, I think. Okay, so his team yeah, is 10, still 10-6. Six. Uh, and they've, they've had some pretty impressive wins. But I think that the Texans are going to... I think that I think the Texans are a mature team, if you're going to give them anything. Uh, I think that they're led by a very uh, young, mature quarterback. And so uh, I expect Texans to win this game. Not, it'll be close, but I expect them to win. Yeah, I've got the Texans too, and I expect I expect it to be a sloppy game with many turnovers, defensive battle. I think that the I think the final score is going to be seventeen to thirteen Texans on a touchdown pass from Deshaun Watson to Darren Fells with five minutes to go. Are we giving uh, scores too? I mean, you can, but you don't have to. All right, here I'll give uh, my score. I think the Texans won this game uh, twenty-seven to twenty-four. this plain and frank. The Patriots stunk when I was there last Sunday. They stunk, and now they're facing a Tennessee Titans team that is coached by one of the key pieces of the early part of the dynasty, 
Mike Vrabel, yeah. which is horrible for the Patriots, if you ask me, but... And Tannehill's been hot. Yeah, Tannehill's been... Tannehill kind of has a lot of Nick Foles in him right now, I'd Yeah, say. it is. I think... I think the Patriots will win, but I think it would not surprise me at all if Tennessee upsets us. It would, and so I've got Tennessee. I've got the Patriots tonight by a, by a touchdown. I think that the Texans. I, I, sorry, I think that the Titans will lose. I think this is going to be a sloppy defensive game. I think that it'll be one of those games where the Patriots just uh, just uh, somehow manage to pull it out using their uh, Bill Belichick magic dust. But um, I mean, I think that the Patriots win this game. I'm going to go uh, twenty to seventeen. Right, yeah. Well, on to the NFC. We're at noon on Sunday on Fox. Really? Fox? The Vikings visit the Saints in a rematch of the Minneapolis Miracle Game. Michael, will the Vikings repeat history, or will the Saints finish the job this time? Um, I think that, uh, the, I mean, I think that the Vikings, uh, will lose. But, I, like I said earlier, I think they have a chance. I expect this game to actually be a very high scoring, uh, to be a, this kid of Boston down a lot of the field. Uh, I think that this game kind of features the really exciting running backs, Kamara Cook, and some of the great, uh, and some of the great receiving cores, even though the Michael Thomas is kind of a receiving core by himself. Um, 140 receptions, wink, wink. Um. I see the Vikings. I see the Vikings losing, but I think they'll be pretty high scoring. Uh, I'm going to take the uh, the Saints to win this one, uh, 38 to 31. I'm not going to lie. This is the game I'm most looking forward to out of this yeah. weekend. I obviously it's not the one I'm most looking forward to because I'm going to the one I'm most looking forward to. But I think that this is. I'm very excited to watch this game. Oh yeah, I can't wait. And I think the Saints are going to win because they have home field. I know the Rams beat them there last year off of a terrible call, but it is really hard to win at the Dome, especially in the playoffs. And I think the Saints are going to defend their home turf on Sunday. Yeah, I agree. And away goes the fire truck. What up? Oh, yeah, the fire truck comes on. They come along every once in a while. It's no biggie. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely... I agree with you there. I'm very excited for this game. Oh, yeah, so am I. Uh, the other NFC game takes place at 340 on Sunday uh, on NBC in Philadelphia as Seahawks visit the Eagles. Liam, who you got? All right, so Seattle beat Philadelphia in Philadelphia earlier this year, which you would want to say you would jump right to Seattle right away. However, a, little, a year ago today, Mitchell Mostyn said on this podcast that it is hard to beat a team twice in a year. So, it is going to be a closer game than people expect, but Seattle is still going to win. They are. They're just a better team than Philadelphia. They've been dominant on the road this year. So, I expect Seattle to beat Philadelphia. I expect to see an angry Seahawks team who's going to try to who's going to have a commanding victory against the Eagles. I, I Like I said, I think that Russell Wilson has been one of the best quarterbacks, most underrated quarterbacks the last uh, probably 10 years. Um, I mean, like I said, I think the Seahawks are just going to just gonna rail the Eagles. I think they're just going to blow them out. Uh, I think we'll see if the Seahawks win this game uh, pretty comfortably. 
I'm going to go 28 to 10. Oh, wow, yeah. All right, so on to the division round. The first game takes place at 3.35 on Saturday, January 11th on NBC as the low seed, or worse, in the NFC will visit San Francisco. Michael, we both have the 49ers going up against the Seahawks, so who do you got? Um, I have the Seahawks winning this game. Uh, I think that this is one of those things where uh, just Russell Wilson kind of overpowers you. I think this is going to be a lot about the quarterbacks. I think they're going to make it about the quarterbacks. Um, and I think that Wilson's the right quarterback uh, between Garoppolo. Do I think it'll be close? Yes. I actually think it'll be uh, uh, not a fairly high-scoring game, but I think it'll be a very good game. Uh, and, and if this happens, I can't wait to watch this. Uh, so I have the uh, I have the Seahawks winning this one. Uh, 21 to, uh, 21 to 17. I actually disagree with you. I have the 49ers winning this game because I believe that the loss to San Francisco in Seattle is going to leave a dark cloud over the Seahawks in the postseason, especially if they play San Francisco. Especially if they play San Francisco. And... I, I think that Jimmy Garoppolo is still angry about letting the Seahawks go into Levy, State, Levy Stadium and beat, and beat them this year. So, I've got the 49ers moving on to host the NFC Championship. So we both have the Texans going to play the Ravens, and let's be honest, the Ravens beat the Texans. Hold on, hold on. Is there hope? Yes. Is there hope? Yes. But will they win? Slight bit. But will they win? No. They will not win because (laughs) because when you get blown out forty-one to seven in opponents in your stadium and have to go back there, it just demoralizes you. It does. And I think that, uh, that they're, okay, I'll let you finish, actually. It's definitely not going to be a blowout like it was during the regular season, but it's still going to be a coast for Baltimore. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a coast, honestly. I think that this is going to be a very good game. It's a hope for the Texans, yes. Is there a chance? Slight bit. Do we need a few things to happen for that to, I think, for that to occur? Yes. Uh, I think that in order for the Texans to honestly win, uh, their secondary really has to come to play. Uh, they can't be letting uh, Lamar Jackson get these huge extra games when he gets past the line of scrimmage. Uh, and then they also can't be letting him beat him with his arm. If the, I think that the Texans have to make it so that way if the Ravens are going to beat him, they're going to beat him on the ground. And, uh, and it's going to be a long, slow, painful death, unfortunately. Huh. They do. Uh, I have the Ravens winning this game, uh, 24-17. Oh, wow, closer than I have. All right, so on Sunday the 12th, the Kansas City Chiefs will host the highest or best AFC seed remaining at 2.05 p.m. on CBS. So, we both have the Chiefs facing my New England Patriots. Who you got winning? I have the Chiefs winning this game. Uh, like I said, I, I think that the Patriots are going to be missing a week uh, where they normally don't have to play. And, um, I don't know. I think that they just won't be used to it at this 
I think that they're not used to. I think that they're they're a team where they need a lot of things to go right to win. Also, just because we kind of we saw um, we saw kind of uh, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, and uh, Patrick Mahomes just kind of start exposing their weaknesses a little bit. Uh, so I mean, I see the team scoring this game. I think don't think it's going to be that close. I think that. Do I think that? Okay. Do I think New England has a chance? Of course they do. Of course they can definitely win this game. But on the road in Kansas City, after and, and you can say what you want about the rest after Kansas City goes in there and beats them, and New England, I think it's unlikely, but it could happen. Uh, I have the Chiefs winning this game, uh, twenty-seven to twenty-one. I think it's going to be a closer game than people think it will be. I think it's going to be a one-score game. I think that's going to be kind of sloppy because the weather in Kansas City is normally not very good this time of year. By the way, forecast for New England tonight. It's supposed to be rainy and snowy, so that'll be fun. So, and I I have the Chiefs winning this game because the, the Patriots are not used to playing on the road in the divisional round. They're used to a first round bye, and that's it. And you can make the case, oh, they went into Kansas City last year, but last year we had Gronk. We don't have Gronk this year. I've got the Chiefs. I like how we're both honest about our team's deaths, the demise. Uh, we were not so about during baseball season. Let's just put it out there. Well, yeah, but there's a difference. Well, there's a difference for me. Not so much for you, but there's a bigger oh, difference. Oh, please. <laughs> um, Alright, uh... And then the last divisional game, of course, at 5.40 p.m. on the 12th. On Fox, the highest NFC seed remaining will play. We'll visit Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Lamb, who faces the Packers, wins. The Saints face the Packers, and the Saints go into Green Bay and beat the Packers. I believe the Saints are a more talented team than the Packers, and you could make the case, oh, Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams, but the duo of Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas is going to run all over the Packers' secondary to where it's just going to be overwhelming. It's going to be a close... Close game for the most part, but I think the final score will be 31-21 Saints, who will go visit the 49ers in the NFC title game. Yeah, I agree with you. Well, I don't... Blowout, I don't know, but... I mean, because also Lambeau gets kind of cold. And the Saints are a warm-weather team playing at home stadium, so I don't know if there will be a blowout, but I think there will be a win for the Saints. I mean, I think that of all things that the Green Bay has to advantage is that they're going to be at Lambeau. Um, and it's going to be kind of their cold weather, uh, cold weather, loud fan, cheesehead kind of fans. Uh, I don't know. I, I still see the Saints winning this game. It'll be, uh, it'll be a little scoring probably because it'll be snowing. Um, I don't know. I think it'll be uh, uh, like a 17-10 to 10 Saints win. Alright, so we are on to conference championships. Both games will be played on January 19th, with the AFC Championship taking place first at 2.05 p.m. on CBS. Michael, we both have Kansas City going to Baltimore, so who you got? I have Baltimore winning this game. It'll be close, it'll be high scoring, that's for sure. We know that both high-powered offenses, just one likes to throw and one likes to run. I like the one that likes to run better, especially since this game could be cold. And if it's snowing, you do not want to be throwing a slippery football. Um, I'm going to take the Ravens to win this game. I, it will be high scoring somehow, some way. 
Uh, I think that it'll be uh, somewhere 38 to 35 kind of game. It'll be close. It'll be uh, it'll be a battle of two of the great young quarterbacks in the league right now. And uh, overall, though, I think we'll have the uh, Ravens win. I agree. And I, you can make the case that Kansas City could beat them again like they did in Baltimore, but it is really, really hard to beat a team twice a year unless you are the New England Patriots. That's honestly the truth. So I have... Oh, wait. And I'm contradicting myself here because I have Kansas City beating New England, but that's different this year because of the Patriots' offense. And I've got Baltimore getting revenge on Kansas City this year. Or in the playoffs. Uh, uh, I agree with that. Um, anyway... Uh, moving on, uh, now onto the AFC game, which will be at 540 on Fox, Liam, hopefully there isn't much drama this year, so who you got playing and who you got winning. So it's the Saints and 49ers, and this is where Drew Brees is being a veteran is going to really help him out. It is, because Jimmy Garoppolo is a much younger quarterback and has never seen a game as high stakes as this one. He did not get the playing time in New England. Tom Brady did. So I think that New Orleans is going to go up early, and it's just going to be too much for him to overcome. I've got the, I've got the Saints going to the Super Bowl. You've got, you've got Seattle going into New Orleans, so who you got winning that game? Uh, I mean, I got Seattle winning this game. Oh, really? I mean, look. We have 40-year-old Drew Brees versus 30-year-old Russell Wilson. And I think that this game was also going to be a lot about the quarterback. Uh, and, and I, you know, I really like Seattle's, uh, Seattle's defense as well. Um, I feel like I keep repeating myself. I think that their offense is lacking weapons, but I think that Russell Wilson makes up for it with talent. Um, I, I'll be very interested to see at this point how how – much influence and how much uh, of an impact into the offense Marshawn Lynch has. Oh, yeah. Uh, also, I think that uh, that uh, Seattle's been able to take have a workhorse running back approach the entire year, and I think that they're going to be running, more of a running back by committee group, so I think that a few more games of getting used to it, and I think that the, that the Seahawks will finally be able to figure out their running game. Uh, so I have the Seahawks and the Ravens go up to the Super Bowl. Which I think is a fun Super Bowl, too. Alright, so we are on to Super Bowl 54, which will take place on February 2nd at 5.30pm at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami, Florida, with Jennifer Lopez, your boy A-Rod's wife, and Shakira providing halftime entertainment. Michael, you have Ravens versus Seahawks. I have Ravens versus Saints. Who will take home the Lombardi Trophy? The Ravens will take it home. And it's going to be a very high-scoring game. Um, like I said, warm weather. Uh, um, warm weather, Hard Rock Stadium. For some reason, it's being played at Hard Rock Stadium. Nobody knows why, but it is. Um, I think that the Ravens are going to win. I think they'll be uh, very high-scoring. I think that the Ravens are going to win uh, possibly into the 40s. I think it'll be 42 to 38. Uh, so I have the Ravens winning in the cocaine capital of the U.S. So it's going to be a great game between the Ravens and the Saints. And 
Drew Brees' experience is going to beat out Lamar Jackson's youth. It is. The Saints are still angry about that no call, and it is going to ride them all the way to Drew Brees' second Super Bowl championship, and he's going to retire a champion. I have the New Orleans Saints winning the Super Bowl this year. Four and a half months ago, I said with Ethan Tuckwood, the New Orleans Saints are going to win the Super Bowl, and I am sticking to it. Okay. Well, that's fair. A few uh, months ago, I had the Seahawks winning the Super Bowl, but now I just have them going to it and losing. I mean, the Ravens are so good. Yeah. It's going to be tough for the Saints, but I think they can do it. I think so, too. Alright, well, uh, there you have it, folks. Our 2020 NFL predictions are in. And with that, uh, that's all I have for today. I'm uh, Michael McGinnis. I'm Ian Giffen. I'd like to thank Michael for being my guest today on this long episode. And thank you for tuning in. Be sure to give this podcast a follow on Instagram, Matt, Bullcore Press Podcast. And if you're interested in being a guest, please DM the podcast or contact me directly. Thanks again for tuning in, and we will see you next week.